Hello and welcome to the C&D podcast. I'm Costanza Potter, news editor at C&D, and you're listening to Series 4 of A Coffee With, a podcast series where we sit down with some of pharmacy's most inspirational women to find out how they got to where they are today. In each episode, I'll be chatting to a different woman in pharmacy about their career highs and lows, their aspirations and fears, and everything in between. We'll hear plenty of words of wisdom, as well as the piece of advice they wish they'd been given at the start of their career. So, pour yourself a cuppa and join me for the latest instalment of A Coffee With. I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Shilpa Shah, the CEO of North East London Local Pharmaceutical Committee and a member of NHS England's Inclusive Pharmacy Practice Advisory Board. In a community pharmacy career spanning more than two decades, she's worked for two large multiples, starting out with her pre-registration training at Boots and taking on various store manager roles over 16 years, then moving to Lloyd's Pharmacy, where she was area manager for three years. Prior to joining North East London LPC, Shilpa served a two-year stint as CEO at Kent LPC as well. And outside of pharmacy, Shilpa is a listening volunteer and director of branch operations at the Samaritans and a volunteer pharmacist at Crisis at Christmas. So welcome, Shilpa, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. I'd like to start by taking it back right to the very beginning and ask what made you choose pharmacy? I think if I'm really honest, I wanted to definitely do something. I was really good at kind of sciences, but I also at school really liked kind of English language and literature as well. So I was sort of torn between wanting to actually go into journalism. So talking to you now with that being what you do, you know, I really wanted to go into journalism and maybe some creative writing, but also coming from a family where the background was very much that my parents, you know, were um, like first generation into the UK and had to work really hard. It was really important to them that both me and my sister get a vocational degree so that we were guaranteed work at the end of it and that, that's the reason that they worked so hard so that we could. I suppose a bit typically it, all those years ago it was very much science driven or potentially being an accountant or something but I kind of knew because there was a pharmacy across the road to where my mum and dad had their news agents and I you know used to go in there sometimes and just got on really well with actually the counter member of staff that used to work there she was just so lovely and you know she'd always give me the free like in those days you had lollipops we should give me a free lollipop and have a little (laughs) chat with me and what I liked about community pharmacy so my heart's always been community pharmacy was that I knew I wanted to do something to help people and I knew I wanted to work within the community but I also liked the retail side of it and going back to my mum and dad having a business etc so I thought out of all the kind of sciencey degrees you know medicine dentistry dietary uh, physiotherapy and I wasn't very good at math so I never thought about accounting (laughs) So for me, I just thought, you know, like pharmacy would be great. And then knowing actually going into my pharmacy degree that it was community pharmacy that I wanted to also focus on. So that's kind of how that all started all those years ago. Yeah. So just like a love for the community that you grew up in and just wanting to give back, I guess, is that kind of the the, the idea? Yeah, I feel like with my mum and dad having a sort of a news agent, we just got to know so many people. It's in London, but it was such a sort of small area. Everyone knew them. And I could see that my dad would always go out of his way to sort of go the extra mile for for customers. Um, He didn't see them as customers. They saw them as friends. And they're still, you know, now they're retired, but they're still friends with so many of their customers. And I just knew that those people just took an interest in what I was doing. So they'd come in the shop and they'd be like, oh, you've started nursery or you've gone to school and do you like school? What do you like doing? They were just so like friendly. And I just wanted to be part of that. And also, you know, everything I did 
I did growing up in Walthamstow, so learning how to swim or going to brownies. And so I wanted everything I do to be giving back. So the fact that I work in North East London now is brilliant because I, I'm literally giving back to the community. And, in, in, you know, one of the boroughs I look after is Walden Forest, where I was, was born and raised. So, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's so lovely. And you talk so much about community and having your heart in community pharmacy, I think you said. I know you started out at Boots, I think as a pre-reg pharmacist. Could you tell us a bit about that and your journey from there to where you are today? My pre-reg year was absolutely fantastic because I think I was really lucky to have a tutor. His name was Jim Thomas. Unfortunately, he passed away. It made me really reflect on if it wasn't for him, he kind of kick-started my leadership journey so as a pre-reg tutor and as a pre-reg you know we all worry about the clinical side and and passing that exam but he gave me extra skills and taught me so much around how to lead people how to run a business and you know I learned so much from him so then when I finished my pre-reg it was you know only about three or four weeks before I became a store manager of my own branch of Boots which is quite quick yeah it's quite a quick um, journey to go straight from sort of qualifying as a pharmacist to becoming a store manager but if it wasn't for him I'd, you know I wouldn't be doing that and it was that that kick-started my career and and working up so actually when we look at people promoting women as a male pre-reg tutor I don't think he even looked at that he just thought here's someone who is quite business focused really understands the customer journey and how important that is but also obviously has to pass the clinical side to, to become a pharmacist. And he just put all his efforts and, um, you know, time into to, to mentoring me and developing me and was a mentor for many years afterwards as well. He sounds brilliant. Yeah, was amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure having kind of climbed up that ladder so quickly, you probably must have faced a lot of challenges along the way. Could you tell us about perhaps some of those and how you overcame them? Yeah, I think some of the challenges were almost being newly qualified and quite young. You know, sometimes you work with pharmacists or staff members who are, who are a bit older than you and you get directions, don't you? When you work for a multiple, of course, you get um, advised by a head office that this is the journey that they want to take with the business and you need to implement them. And that's that's your job. And sometimes you have to give messages that are a bit difficult and people don't always like hearing those messages. And I suppose sometimes hearing them from maybe a woman, hearing them from someone younger, I suppose all those extra sort of parts of us that are often difficult, I suppose throughout my career, I have always come across those and, and that's been in any any kind of career I'm in. Yeah. And I think also being a woman, it's really funny, isn't it? It's um, something I mentioned that when I was younger and growing up, I used to sometimes be called bossy because I was the bossy one in the family. I was the one that used to get everyone together. I'd be like, we, we should do it this way. And, you know, now it's a skill and people come to me for advice and they they love that. But I just think that Sometimes we need to be really careful with the negative terms we use. And actually, if I'd been a boy, then would people have said, oh, look at that. You know, he's very assertive. He's going to be a leader one day. Whereas because I was a girl, it was like, oh, she's a bit bossy, isn't she? And a bit of a joke was made of it. And I think that's the same in the workplace, isn't it? It's like a male, a male leader can sort of pass on a message and he's strong and assertive. And a woman can pass on a message and some not very nice words are used about her often. So I think that still needs to change. Yeah, for sure. And you're so right about the sort of connotations of the words we use to talk about possibly the same characteristics, but across different genders. And you mentioned about being quite a young leader as well. Can you tell me what that experience was like? Were you often leading people who were much older than you or a bit older than you? And was that really tough? 
Yeah, I think that was the toughest part. And, and, it, and it wasn't always tough because of them. It was also tough because being inexperienced and being a bit younger, I maybe didn't always get it right. You know, I think one attribute of my character that I like about myself is that if I do do something wrong, I do put my hands up, I apologize. And, you know, I, I do do that. But when you are starting out on your journey and you've got people that are experienced that have done it a certain way for a long time, and also when you're young, I think you want to get things done really quickly and you want to move with pace. And I, I am quite an impatient person. I love to get things done really quickly. But what I've learned along the way, it's so important to take your people on the journey with you and, you know, doing some work around kind of explaining why we need to make these changes and trying to ensure that at least they're 80% on board, if not 100%. Whereas Potentially, when I was a bit younger, maybe I was just like, well, we've got to do it, no choice, let's do it. And that obviously didn't maybe always go down in the right way. So it was difficult. I wouldn't always blame the other people, though, actually. I think it's been a massive learning curve for me. And definitely, as I've, what, 23, 24 years later, I'm a totally different leader to what I was then. But I'm a different leader because of all the experiences, all the exposure to other different leaders as well across various businesses. As I said, I volunteer at a charity, so looking at kind of leadership within a charity and how that differs. You just pick up all these different ways, don't you, of working that suit better, I suppose, as you get older. Yeah, of course. And as you grow in confidence as well, I suppose. And sort of on the flip side, uh, we talked a bit about challenges. But if you had to pick a high point of your career so far, what would it be? The high point of my career was actually probably, I loved the LPC role. I absolutely loved working for the retail pharmacies. But it wasn't until I started the LPC role that I felt like, oh my God, I should have been doing this 10 years earlier because this is absolute perfect role I absolutely love it and I think some of the other highs actually as well is I work for Boots they do a lot around charity work and I was one of the best of the best for sort of some of the charity work that I'd done there as well so unfortunately my highs have coincided with some sort of award or recognition but I think that is really kind of it it makes you realize and validates what you're doing and makes you realize that oh I am doing a good job somebody is recognizing that someone is appreciating it so I suppose those have been my two major highs in my career so far. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being proud of an award. It's absolutely a great thing to have had. And I don't think you should be ashamed to say those high points at all. Going back to kind of women in pharmacy specifically, why do you think it's important that we have platforms like this one for women in pharmacy to sort of empower and give voices to women in pharmacy? I think it is really important because things are not changing at the pace they should be. So we've known for years that there is a massive gender gap, a a massive, even if we just think about pay, there's a massive pay gap within the two genders. And um, I think actually that's not changing. It's not moving quick enough and it's not going to get better for another 50 years, I think someone um, said to me. And I think we've got to start, you know, we talked about like some of the words we use, the language we use, and we need to have somewhere where we can celebrate our successes and have a support network as well. And I think with women, it can be really difficult as well, because what you find is that, you know, you kind of climb up the ladder and it's really important to just make sure you leave that ladder there so that you can help someone else get up it and not pull up the ladder behind you. But I think sometimes it's been such a difficult journey that you're like, well, I've done it and I had to do it the hard way. So I want someone else to do it the hard way. Like, why should they have it easy? But I think having all these groups of, you know, platforms that women can talk together, I think that's where these sort of discussions come out and make you realise that actually, no, just because it was tough for me, I want to do something to make a difference and make it easier for the next generation, not make it hard 
harder. And everything I do, every sort of fight I have around kind of the gender pay gap or the way women are treated is always because I want to do it for, for the future generation, really. And what a depressing idea that about gender pay gap. Yeah. I think you said 50 years, right, until it might yeah. close up, which is just so depressing to think of. Is that kind of the main thing you would say needs to change to make pharmacy a better place for women to work or are there kind of other areas as well that you would especially want to see change in? Yeah, I don't think it is just the pay. I think pay is obviously very important and it's such a shame it's going to take so long to get that situation sorted. But I think also um, kind of all the different boards that people are on and, and kind of thinking about how easy are we making it for women to join those boards and that's something I'd like to see change as well. So if we take LPC's example, we always have more male committee members than female committee members. And is that because, you know, we have our meetings in the day, so it's not so bad. But, you know, is it because we have evening meetings? And often, you know, unfortunately, childcare still does tradition, like mainly fall on, on women a lot of the time. And can they make the meetings outside of hours? I think also what I'm hearing from a lot of colleagues and friends within the pharmacy world is there's still a lot of toxicity towards women. And I don't know if that's because people sometimes feel threatened that, you know, this person has come along and they've got different ideas and got different ways of thinking. Of course we do. That's just kind of ingrained. And, you know, we may bring a different perspective to the table. And we're not saying that our way is the right way, but actually it's just kind of getting people to think differently. What I would like to see change is having more women in positions of power, I guess, and and being able to be at the forefront. But I think that's still not there. So it's that and the pay. They're the two big things I think that need to change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so great to see you in this position on your second LPC already. So it is brilliant to see a woman so high up in, in the community pharmacy sector and seeing that influence and that example, I guess, for others looking up and saying, oh, well, Shilpa's doing it, so I can do it. That's just great. And talking about, well, you know, if Shilpa can do it, anyone can. You mentioned earlier about your pre-reg mentor, I think. Could you talk about a woman in pharmacy that you particularly admire and why, or if there are people who you have particularly admired or mentored you throughout your career? There's not one specific um, woman as such, but there has been, I suppose, you know, where I've worked in different branches of, of, of Boots and where I've worked for Lloyd's and others, various organisations. I suppose there's been women along the way that have always encouraged me, supported me and I guess mentored me in the way. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to pay it forward and make sure I'm doing that for someone else. So there has been a number of women who have reached out and, you know, or I've been able to reach out to when I've needed support, needed help. I think when the Kent LPC job first came up, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I, I, I can't go for that job. I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't know what to do. I can't go for that and it was actually two women who I used to work with that were just kind of like kept sending it to me and go go for it if you don't go for it you won't know and and I look back now it's the absolute best thing I ever did and those women have remained mentors for me throughout those roles and you know anytime I was struggling or and and it's, it's funny isn't it like if I was doing well I wouldn't need to contact them so much it was when I was struggling that I'd be reaching out and kind of going oh I need a bit of help with this or how do I do this or how should I handle this situation and they've always come through for me but I also would like to recognize I've been really lucky to have a lot of male support as well I've, I've had some great line managers who have actually what I loved about them is they were honest with me so they weren't always you know like fluffy and kind and nice um I mean they're always kind but, but sometimes <laughs> they would say look Shilpa 
you haven't handled this situation very well. And at the time, of course, it's hard to hear and it's not always what you want to hear. But on reflection, you can kind of go, oh, do you know what? At least that person was honest with me and they said it to me. They didn't go off and say it in the room to other people behind my back. They said it to me and they're saying it to me because they want me to be better and they want to support me being better. Um, so, yeah, I feel I feel actually lucky. Uh, um, I've had some great people along the way in the career. I've also had some leaders that I think, oh, what I've learned from you is, you know, the kind of leader I never want to be. <laughs> so it's not always been plain sailing. There are definitely some people out there. But again, you do learn from that. Like I said, I've learned from them that that's not the kind of leader I want to be. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just shows how important good mentors are and how much we look up to people in that sense I guess how important it is that we're mindful of those who are looking up to us and that leads me really nicely into my next question if you were to be a mentor for yourself when you first started out what piece of advice would you give yourself? I probably would have said that you don't need to be as strong and as assertive and, and sometimes what could come across as maybe um, a bit bossy or, or aggressive. And maybe it isn't because, like I said, if a man did it, probably wouldn't be seen that way. But actually, you can lead in a compassionate way. And the more I've learned about myself, the, like you said earlier, the more confident I've become, I, I find it a lot easier to deal with situations a lot differently to when I was younger and I think there's, there's a lot with that there's there's time age experience there's also what you feel the world expects you to be what kind of leader you feel the world expects you to be as an Asian female woman compared to you know actually just be yourself oh I think that's it I've just hit the nail on the head just be <laughs> yourself. you know you can't go wrong if you're just yourself it's so much easier than trying to put on this persona and being someone that you're not because you will always revert back to your normal self and that's the person you are. So just be that person. Yeah, such good advice. Um, and I don't know if you know, but this series of the podcast is celebrating International Women's Day and this year the theme is Embrace Equity. I wondered what role you think pharmacy as a sector can play in helping to further that cause. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously being um, on the IPP advisory board, I've been learning a lot about kind of equity, diversity and inclusion. And again, being on this podcast, Women in Pharmacy, we're talking a lot about women, but actually it's not just about women. It's also women from ethnic backgrounds who are often overlooked for promotion or when we look at some of the disciplinaries or things that happen in workplaces, it's often women from ethnic backgrounds or, or actually sometimes men from ethnic backgrounds as well who face disciplinary action more than their counterparts. So I think that pharmacy has a long way to go before we can say that we're equitable employers and that we're really looking after people's equity. So I think there's a lot we can do. And I think it's everybody has that responsibility. If you see something in your workplace that doesn't feel right, and you'll know, won't you? Because in your heart, you'll feel that that didn't feel right to me, the way that person was being treated. Please don't just watch it from the sidelines. Please don't just support that person from the sidelines and not raise it higher and do something about it. Because only if enough people get together and speak up will things start changing. And I think we're all there to support people that are going through tough times. But when it comes to kind of actually speaking up on behalf of that person or for that person, that's probably where everyone just kind of goes, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe I won't do it this time. I'll see if it happens again. I'll do it next time. And if, if that keeps happening, then next time it might be happening to you. And then there won't be anyone to speak up to for you. So such a good point. And that work you're doing with the Inclusive Pharmacy Practice Advisory Board for NHS England sounds really important and really exciting. What kind of things are you working on for at the minute? 
So it's, it's a great bunch of people. And I suppose what we're also looking at is not only, so we're looking at sort of workplaces and, and how we can increase equity, inclusion and, and diversity within NHS workplaces. And then we're moving that on to, I guess, community pharmacy will come into it, but because we're not actually part of the NHS as such at the moment. Um, it's a bit hard to measure where we are. So we're looking at things like that. We're also looking at from a patient point of view as well, how we ensure that patients are treated equitably and how we're making sure that we're reaching those deprived areas. And that. And that's what I like about it, because I think it's it's not just about the people that work in the NHS. It's also about the patients that use our services as well. And I think that's really important because we, again, you know, in pharmacy, especially community pharmacy, we're in all areas of the country. And there's some real deprived areas where we can make a real difference. So I think that's um, that's really important. So yeah, we're working on lots of different sort of things. And it's just having that rich discussion and making see people see things a bit differently or getting your point across and also hearing other people's points of view. Definitely. And I'd love to hear how you got into that role. So actually, it was advertised. They were looking for community pharmacy leads because I think they'd had some NHS pharmacists from hospital trusts and, and academia and, and bits and pieces and I think they recognised when they had one of their board meetings that oh we don't really have representation for community pharmacy so they advertised somewhere I can't remember where I saw the advert probably on an NHS bulletin and I thought oh I'd really really love to do this so I kind of yeah filled out the application report put my name forward and was successful and yeah ended up being on the board. Brilliant how long have you been at the board for? Um, it's I think it's been about six months now so yeah. oh great quite new still then yes very new still oh well I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of it, it sounds honestly like really exciting work so um, yeah we'll keep keep an eye out in the future and speaking of the future finally I wanted to ask you what you're most excited about for the future for women in pharmacy and for the sector as we go forward into 2023 and beyond we know there's been more changes in the last sort of three or four years than there has been in the 30 before that. And I think that that's actually something we need to look at with excitement because change is opportunity and we need change and we need things to move with pace to, to keep up with the NHS and the changing world as it is at the moment. So I think there's lots of exciting opportunities with lots of different services that community pharmacy can dip their hand into. I think I love the fact that hopefully we'll have the contraceptive service starting soon. And for me, that's like how accessible would that be for women to in their lunchtime just walk into a pharmacy and to be able to get the contraceptive pill rather than have to, you know, take a couple of hours off work and make a doctor's appointment and, and you know, for something that should just be accessible as it is so I love some of the services that are coming down obviously there is a lot of work to do to make um to make those services I suppose viable for pharmacies to do because you know obviously community pharmacy is is really struggling at the moment with kind of viability but I also believe that when we do things like those services really well it can really make an impact and a difference to local communities which I'm really excited about and I think for women as well I think that having platforms like this having like um, women's groups as well whatsapp groups where they're all supporting each other and I think that that can only make things better because it's totally different to when I you know first started out 20 something years ago so I hope that that continues over the next few years and I hope that more women join those groups and I hope that more women know that you know we are here to support you and, and please just reach out because someone will always help you because that's kind of what women do isn't it yeah absolutely well I'm afraid that is pretty much all we've got time for but thank you so much Shilpa for joining me today it's been fascinating hearing about all your experiences and all the wisdom you've gained along the way so thank you very much oh thank you so much 
That was Shilpa Shah, CEO of North East London Local Pharmaceutical Committee and a member of the Inclusive Pharmacy Practice Advisory Board at NHS England. Today we covered Shilpa's heart for giving back to her community, the challenges of being a young and successful woman, the gender pay gap and representation in leadership, and the importance of the words we use to describe female leaders. That brings us to the end of this mini-series of C&D's A Coffee With podcast, celebrating International Women's Day this month. Thank you again to our wonderful guests, Claire Chapman, Aya Abbas and Shilpa Shah. It's been a real pleasure to sit down and talk to these inspirational women. For more news and updates on C&D's Women in Pharmacy group, please check out the C&D community via our website, chemistanddruggist.co.uk. Thank you for listening. <laughs>